Is Liberty on the rocks? Come see for yourself. We are broadcasting live from the Harp Pub in Roswell. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. But not every Saturday can you catch the show live. So we're here at the Harp Pub at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell, hosted by Liberty on the Rocks, which is trying to uh, hearken to the founders' tradition of arguing over politics in the tavern, specifically liberty. So that's what we're here for, and Atlanta has a very robust libertarian community. There's uh, anarchists in in Atlanta and the Libertarian Party, which are kind of the two extremes. I think we might even be in hearing shot of the mothership, to borrow a phrase from Hillary, but a different kind of mothership, not the CFR like hers, but the Mises Institute, in Auburn, Alabama. So this is a kind of hotbed of libertarianism. And if you want to meet fellow libertarians in Atlanta, come on down to the Harp Pub in Roswell. And uh, I was recently at a, uh, the United Tea Party of Georgia invited me to one of their events in coming to a meeting. And I went. And one of the, and I, because I see that there's a lot of overlap between the Tea Party, especially the original taxed enough already, a uh, version where they look at the founding principles of limited government, states' rights, stuff like that. So I always like to go to those things. But they, I think, get a little scared of the libertarian handle. And one of the people there said she had, she had to look up libertarianism on her way to the meeting just to find out what she was in for. And she did not like what she saw, she said. So I thought that I had a feeling that she was turned off by some of the stuff that William Weld said when he was being interviewed as one of the libertarian candidates, Gary Johnson and William Weld were the candidates on the ballot for the Libertarian Party last year. And for me, and I, I told her that's not my version of libertarianism, he would say things like, they're middle of the road, it's something for everyone, they are socially liberal and fiscally conservative, but really the true libertarianism is a very principled position and it is the it defines like in a black and white terms the founding principles of this country it's not a middle of the road third choice it's none of that it's i i love this quote by the great harry brown who says we should never define libertarian positions in terms coined by liberals and conservatives nor is some variant of their positions. We are not fiscally conservative and socially liberal. We are libertarians who believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. And that is a definition I can get behind. But even if you bring the libertarianism to distill down to that very basic uh, definition and you get hardcore libertarians together, they do disagree on certain issues, especially if they're like competing rights issues and uh, stuff like that. So so we've got some libertarians here we're going to talk to throughout the day. Some will maybe just state their case of what they might have said at that Tea Party meeting to uh, help those people understand 
that there, we have more in common than we have that separates us, but also what their positions are on some of these issues, immigration, abortion. People say never, ever talk about that, but there are real uh, distinctions among libertarians on what they call competing rights issues. So there's a, a, a lot of meaningful discussion. It's not Libertarians are not libertines who just want to make sure that pot and prostitution are legal. That's like, that's what really scares them. So, uh, so there is actually, it's actually a very intellectual pursuit. So I want to talk to people here. I will take questions. If you want to call in, it's, uh, I, I call it Ask the Libertarian. And I actually have a bunch of questions I've gotten recently. Uh, you can call 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll take those calls. We will also read tweets at Monica Perez Show if you want to tweet at me. My producer Binkley is here. He's going to help us uh, shepherd through this process of so many different people who want to chime in. But let's start with some tweets, Binkley. What you got? All right. Well, Daniel says that some of the most important tenets of libertarianism are volunteerism, the realization that taxation is indeed theft, anti-imperialism, and loving actual freedom more than loving just symbols of freedom. That's a lot. So taxation is theft. I'll take let's let's break it down. All right. So taxation is theft. That's something I wanted to talk to the crowd about if people want to come up and chime in. Is so one of the things I said at the tea party was that I thought that they were talk there's a lot of talk about the constitution and the bill of rights and I said I thought the American experiment uh lasted about 8 years when they swapped out the Articles of Confederation for the Constitution because the Articles of Confederation did not allow the federal government the right to tax. And there's a lot of propaganda at that time to convince people that, oh, that's the worst thing you could ever have. I totally disagree. <laughs> I think that that's where the the problem went, where the country, the American experiment was kind of betrayed because the the ability to tax is the ability to kill, to destroy. And But if you were to ask, is taxation theft? Is there anything you would pay uh, in taxes, uh, services? I think that's where you get to the difference between minarchism, which is you think there are some legitimate functions of government deriving from the right uh, of self-defense and also resolving legitimate disputes, genuine disagreements, and then there's the anarcho-capitalist version, which I am. I have completely given up on any hope for the coercive monopoly state. I do not think there is any hope for giving all the power to steal and to kill to a small group of people and expect them to use that power to defend your rights. I don't think that at this stage of the game we're going to restore that. But what, what else did he say? It's anti-imperialism? Anti-imperialism and loving actual freedom more than just loving the symbols of freedom. Okay, so the anti-imperialism thing is important. There was an article today in the Wall Street Journal that talked about uh, give up, maybe it was online, so maybe it wasn't today, but give up on this uh, expression, American exceptionalism. And I was hoping that the author would explain that the problem with the expression American exceptionalism, because what it really comes down to is that American, the, the, that if you want to take this view that 
the American empire. That he's talking about imperialism, like America goes out and restructures other countries' geography, like what's happening in the Middle East is not about saving little children from their own governments, but really it's about structuring these other countries and industry and stuff to serve a central power, power that's behind the throne, the shadow governments or the military-industrial complex. And what American exceptionalism is at its root is this idea that we demand other countries respect our sovereignty, actually stay far away, not even say that we defend themselves if attacked. You know, like you want them to cower at the thought of our sovereignty, but we, because we're the policemen of the world, we don't have to respect their sovereignty. We are an exception to this, uh, the law of nations, which was the foundation of this country. Um, but sometimes I shy away from an expression uh, that's, uh, that harkens to this term imperialism because it's so, it was like a Marxist term. So you talk about imperialism and that, that's what communists call uh, you know, capitalists as a, as a pejorative. So I don't tend to use that term, but I certainly believe that we should have uh, a so respect each other's sovereignty. Give me one more, Binkley. All right. Kind of speaking to that notion, uh, Don says that libertarians just want to be left alone. Conservatives want control of how you live, and they want to impose strong religious beliefs. The libertarians, yes. They, they, uh, for me to define the basic law to a libertarian, the purpose of any kind of government or organization uh, of that nature is the the law kind of defined by Murray Rothbard, don't touch me or my stuff. Now, when he says conservatives want to control other people, I think the actual definition of conservative is kind of squishy, too, because I was raised, my father called himself a conservative, and he would always distinguish that from Republicans. And to me, that was this traditional conservative idea where conservative means you look back to the past, that you don't want to change. And for us, that's a very radical past of the American experiment, of the American Revolution, of the Bill of Rights, of the sovereign citizen. There's nothing wrong with that conservatism. European conservatism can harken back to a past of empire and monarchy. So that's not a conservatism that I think we should adopt, although I think we are. And then there's neoconservatism, which was established by Irving Kristol and his gang, who called themselves neo-Trotskyites first and neo-Marxists. And his idea of neoconservatism was to use the government to control the world and uh, that it would just have, you put your own mark on it. And that's where I think, uh, that's the kind of conservatism I think he was talking about. So we'll, we'll take some calls. You can ask me anything. We'll talk to some folks here. Read more tweets, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And we are here broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Irish Pub, 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell. Till 6. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 83 degrees outside the studio and 8 on the Mellish meter. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. But we are not at the studio. We're at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell on Market Boulevard at an event hosted by Liberty on the Rocks where we are dishing about liberty over, uh, well, rocks and Guinness, it looks like to me. But we've got, yeah, we've got some uh, good libertarians here in the crowd. Super happy about that. Woohoo! 
So come on down if you want to make a connection with some Atlanta Libertarians. And speaking of connections, I have ATL Connector here. She has a show that she actually interviewed me on. I don't usually get interviewed, so of course it was like the best programming I ever heard. But <laughs> so we tweet. She's one of my tweets. So let's hear what you you have an actual libertarian-oriented comment. Do you not? Uh, well, I'm actually. I just wanted to say that I am a conservative, but I consider myself a conservative that's not looking for things to be where they were. I just am very biblical-based and constitutional-based. So I feel like that's also a conservative that's out there as well. Yeah, I so. do. So what did you think about the uh, the Syrian bombing? So I really was interested to understand. I really I was listening to your April 20th podcast yes. the last couple of days, and I wanted to really kind of find out why you think that they're doing that. And and I had heard something before about Obama actually doing a lot of the bombing, too, that people didn't know about. And so, okay, well, yeah. I will. So that's like my lit- litmus test on what people um if they're conservative socially, but fiscally, uh, you know, libertarian or whatever, um, I always do think that the third leg of the stool, though, is how you feel about foreign intervention. So I think I might actually go to Jazz Fest, Fest next week. I might rerun that show next Saturday and add a little bit to it to really explain my position on Syria because I really feel like that's a divided one. But it's so awesome to talk to you. So ATL Connector, you. what's your Twitter handle? ATL Connector. Perfect. Well, we, <laughs> I just Monica. tweet you directly. Thank you. Uh, so here we are at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell. Uh, wrapping up our first half hour of the Monica Perez Show, live on remote. If you want to call, ask the Libertarian, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. And today is a very special Monica Perez show because we are broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Irish Pub on Market Boulevard in Roswell. Say hi. Yay. <laughs> we got a good libertarian crowd here, and if you are one of the robust libertarians, in the robust community of libertarians in Atlanta, you might want to connect with some of these folks. We're at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell, and I have kind of opening the show or doing this first hour with uh, Ask the Libertarian. So I, in the last half hour, kind of gave you an overview of my position on libertarianism is in a nutshell, it's really uh, individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times, to quote the great Harry Brown. But there are different kinds of libertarians. I am, uh, I'm an anarcho-capitalist, which is, means I've completely given up on the, any hope for the coercive monopoly state to use its power to protect my rights. I don't believe that's even possible anymore. And then there's uh, minarchists who believe that the government has certain responsibilities, police, national defense, the courts, and everything kind of in between. But there are issues that uh, distinguish even people within the libertarian community. And I have a, a caller, guest, Stefan Kinsella. He is a, uh, a renowned libertarian thinker and lawyer. And Stefan, I'm going to say that you convinced me on my last holdout issue on, on embracing the term and the philosophy of anarcho-capitalism. Hi, Stefan. How are you? 
Hey, I'm great, Monica. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you called. So I, I'm assuming you can guess that my second to last holdout was, what about the children, you know, child services? And then I realized how often the, uh, the, the even the government's welfare policies, drug war, all that stuff on net, the children are probably worse off in, in this uh, statist system. And I was okay with that. But then the last holdout was, my view on patents and copyright. Now, the real libertarians will not yawn at that, but it's, <laughs> if you are yawning, I'm telling you, it's very interesting and nuanced. And wouldn't you say that's your, your central uh, issue, what you've probably thought and wrote the most on, Stefan? Uh, it is, uh, partly because I'm a patent lawyer, and so I've been consumed with this issue for 20 or 30 years. And uh, yeah, so I've come to the conclusion that they're not actually boring issues. They're they're arcane and hard for people to understand. But patent and copyright are extremely destructive to wealth, and copyright is harmful to our freedom on the internet, and you know just our freedom in general to think. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for you to give in a nutshell kind of what uh, synthesize maybe your most convincing article. But I, I know it's kind of funny that you're a patent lawyer. And I remember somebody asked you once why – if you have to defend a patent, like how do you do it? And you said – and I've used this and thought of you in other contexts. You said, well, I do find it distasteful. And I, <laughs> I think that sometimes, like, I, you know, I can't resist the temptation to vote, but I do find it distasteful. Yeah, there's there's aspects of my job that I find distasteful, but I I look at myself as like an oncologist. I'm trying to cure the the thing that gives me money right now. You know, I think most cancer doctors want cancer defeated, and I want, uh, you know, most most attorneys that defend uh, people from the drug war – war uh, that are libertarians they want they want to defeat those systems and they would ultimately put themselves out of business but they would be okay with that we can find something else to do but that's true and there were just a couple of things about copyright and patent that brought me around to that one was as far as a copyright all you do like internet is the explosion of free information shared i mean people just give it away and that's the truth so this idea that you wouldn't have art or anything i almost think that the copyright, the power of that creates a very narrow selection of art where you have these mega blockbuster films that you could put so much money into because they can really use the force of government to secure that information they kind of released out into the air. And I also feel that with patents, the the government puts so much money into research, so much technology comes out of the Department of Defense, and then the corporations who I'm sure benefit from that, and that's kind of a question I have for you, uh, then get this power of the of the of the system to defend their patents. Do you feel like a lot of these patents are kind of effectively subsidized by the government because so much of that technology is kind of in that spider web of interconnecting tech and DOD and all that? Absolutely. The, the copyright system definitely benefits the big corporations, which is why Hollywood uh, and the movie industry and the music industry, they, lo- they lay lobby Congress all the time to try to export our copyright laws to other countries and to extend their copyright terms. You know, copyright used to be 14 years, and now it's about 150 years, and they keep, wow. they keep ratcheting it upwards. Um, well, that was a big thing with the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, right? Yeah, so – so one of the good things Trump did was get rid of the TPP, but he did it for the wrong reasons, of course, because Trump 
wants to expand American intellectual property to other countries. So he didn't like the good parts of the TPP, which was pro-trade. He liked the wrong parts of TPP. So I guess I'm ultimately glad TPP was defeated. Yeah, but, yeah, but who knows? The definitely supports big companies and helps support monopolies. And uh, it, ironically, like the federal government is a co-owner of some patents on medical marijuana, so they sort of admit that medical marijuana is innocuous or even useful, and at the same time that they make it illegal. They deny it. Well, I wish that you could come down here, Stefan, and have a Guinness with us, but you're in Texas, right? I'm in Houston. The accents aren't too different. I can hear your, your nice accent there. And I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Joey Lincoln, who's there in the bar with you, who told hey, me to Joey. call in. <laughs> Seven, thank you so much for calling. Anytime that you plug in or Joey's listening and he tells you there's a hot topic that you want to, we need your voice on, feel free to call. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye, Stefan. All right. Awesome. That's, uh, you know, big brain in the libertarian community. And, of course, if you're listening, uh, these are the kind of issues. So when I first became, really started reading about libertarianism, I had the feeling that we, it would it was just easy, like, uh, you know, pot and free love. But actually, it's it's mostly economics, and these nuances are kind of hard to get your mind around. But once you dedicate the time to it, you can, in my case, I've always found that liberty is actually not only the kind of morally just answer, but it's the practical answer that results in the peace and prosperity that we want, even just for our own comfort. So... For me, it's, uh, it's, it, I like to really drill down into the absolute nitty-gritty so that uh, you, and you always end up at liberty, in my opinion. So thanks for that call. i got another call. I'm going to Alan in Marietta. Hi, Alan. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I wish I was there with you to do some corned beef and cabbage and again. I'd be... Yeah, come on over. I'm working. So All my right. thing is, uh, you know what the federal judges have been ruling against Trump and the liberals have been using... Uh, key judges to defeat everything he tries to put forward. Isn't that abuse of power and can't the Congress impeach these judges? I have... To defeat somebody, that's sort of like abusing their power to, to put their point forward. I absolutely hate when judges use the bench to legislate. I went to Stanford Law School, which is as activists, you couldn't learn, in my experience, not to knock it, but you couldn't actually learn uh, the law there so much as you learned how to use the bench for the purpose of molding policy. And we would often come across things that were policy decisions. And that meant it wasn't a judicial ruling. It was a ruling that was twisted up in order to promote policy. And I, I really can't stand that. And the thing, so when you would take constitutional law, and I know Obama was a constitutional law professor, the, I walked away from that class understanding less about the Constitution than I ever had. And then now... In doing this show and just like looking things up, I finally reread it just from beginning to end. It is so straightforward. It is so clear. I've done shows on it. I've summarized it. For me, I do not think that the uh, that judges should legislate from the bench at all. I don't know what process you would use to remove them. I guess impeach. You would have to. I mean, you'd have to take. You'd have to take them out. 
from left and right, and, and I think it would be a bloodbath, but it would be great to change that system. Maybe Gorsuch will really pay attention to the Constitution from the Supreme Court, although I was alarmed to find out that he was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. So I have a little fear there. Thank you so much for the call, Alan. Binkley, do you have any tweets for us? Let's uh, change gears a little bit, maybe take some calls from the crowd. Yeah, I have one from Tri-Athlete. He says that libertarianism, it's its belief that it's up to you to run your own life and that the government is here only to complement, not control our lives. I would agree with that. I think all the government's power derives from the ability, the our right to self-defense, and that's what it's there for, and so they can never take away our right to self-defense and say that they have, uh, they right, they only complement it. That's a good one. Let's take a, 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 a person, <laughs> not a caller, a human being, who I Hi, can Monica. see. Hi, Jim. We're Facebook friends, and we've yes, we met are. here before. I know. At I'm, Liberty on the Rocks. I love you deeply. Oh, I really me do. too. You're yes. amazing. Yeah, I you're awesome. I wish we had more libertarian voices in Atlanta. Well, look, a lot of them are here, so if y'all want to come to the harp, uh, you're going to have a good time. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to take over for Neil Boris. He's actually the one who converted me. Oh, that's great. Yes, yes that is when I said... Now I'm the libertarian voice on WSB. Is that the only one? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, there you have uh, varying yeah. degrees of, but it's you know sometimes it's as soon as they are like cheering for Syria, bombing Syria, I got like <laughs> you know. Well, that's a whole other subject. This one's yes. about taxation. Go. And uh, you know, it seems like the, the libertarian catchphrase nowadays is taxation is theft, and I completely agree. It's theft. It's it's, but. You know, with, with April 15th just passed, and, you know, we have this, this tyrannical income tax, and, and Georgia also has a tyrannical income tax, and, it, and it's really disappointing because it, there's so many better ways to fund the government, and they're going to get their pound of flesh. And so I understand, you know, taxation is theft, but if, if we have to somehow submit a part of our lives to the government, it would seem that the fair tax would be a much, much better way to do it. And I was wondering how you feel about that and about the Georgia state income tax and why being the economic engine of the Southeast that, that Georgia has to insist, you know, we're surrounded by tax free st income tax free states. Why, why we can't sort of get behind and figure out a different way. And, and you know, it would bring so much more business and, and economy and, and everything to the, to the area. Why people can't get behind this? I have a very purely principled viewpoint on taxation that I have never heard anyone else suggest. They say it's impractical, whatever. But for me, it's 100% principle-based. That's assuming you're not an anarcho-capitalist, as I'm I am. I'm an anarcho-agorist. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really... I'm really down the rabbit hole. <laughs> do, you, do you grow your own food? I don't even know if that exists, but I, I am one. <laughs> right. So this is how I feel about the taxes. I look at it and think, what are you paying for? Income tax, to me, is just so wrong, because why should yeah. you be penalized for your higher productivity? Exactly. And the guy next to you makes half as much as you because he produces half as much, and you have to pay so much more. If you tax cigarettes because you don't like them, why tax income? Because well, you know. No, it's it's not right. And for me, I think I would do two. I mean, I think the only fair taxes, but this is because I'm a libertarian, is a head tax, like a person, because they're protecting your person, and a this sounds crazy, but a wealth tax. If you're a guy like Warren Buffett or whatever who owns the most land in this country, and you can scramble Air Force jets to protect it. I mean, you're really asking the government to protect your person and your property. And if foundations, they have their rules that foundations have to pay out 5% of their wealth. So when you run a foundation, you think about it, have to earn 5% to pay 
in charity and I have to make up the inflation and they still do it. So you would not go broke by paying a wealth tax, but you'd be paying for your services, the protection, the contracts, all of that. Now, that turns into fee-for-services, which is a voluntary system, and, and no one would go for that because what it's all about is stealing and redistributing. But the fair tax is a voluntary system. I mean, if you decide you want to buy used goods, okay. No, sorry. because you have I, – I do have to take a break, but you have to – you have a right to transact. Yes. And they don't – and so for, to, for them to say that they have a right to penalize me for transacting is not right. But if I'm going to ask them to protect my stuff, and then if I say I don't want to pay, and somebody comes and robs your house or burns it down or in, gets invaded by another country, then if you didn't pay – some some fire departments work that, like that. I do have to take a break. Uh, such a great Thank conversation. You, Stick around. This is Monica Perez at the Harp Pub in Roswell with Liberty on the Rocks. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Okay, no, this shouldn't feel terrible. This is Monica Perez at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell. We are here with Liberty on the Rocks, having a great time. The uh, It's a little sticky. It's 86 today. It's uh, 67. It's going to be the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I want to, this is Trump's 100th day, so I was thinking of giving you a little uh, um, viewpoint of Trump's 100 days through the eyes of a libertarian, but I also want to ask the folks here and out there in the listening audience, what would Ron Paul's first 100 days have looked like? So I think that we'll have some fun with that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, you could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And we are having a very special show today. We are broadcasting from a special session of Liberty on the Rocks right here at the Harp Irish Pub. Yay! (laughs) We are at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell having a good time connecting with other libertarians. And we have conservatives and just people who want to exchange ideas. It's really fun. And uh, our host is the, besides the Harp Pub, which we love, is the Liberty on the Rocks uh, chairperson, uh, the uh, Liberty on the Rocks Atlanta, what, what's your title, Austin? I like chairperson. President. That works. Chairperson, yeah. Austin Harriman. And uh, thank you so much for uh, organizing this event. Well, we're glad to have you here. Oh, this great. Is, I know that you're Liberty on the Rocks favorite host, uh, or favorite uh, guest. Thank you. It's my favorite uh, event. So you get all kinds, right? All, the whole, all kinds of libertarians right across the spectrum. Oh, yeah. I think the last one was a guy from Fee, and he was essentially a the straight anarchist. economic yeah. education. And, uh, and he was a straight anarchist. So. And where, where do you fall on the spectrum? Uh, I'm fluid. Oh, really? It comes and goes. Well, I think I think anarcho-capitalists, when I hear people like you kind of really go into what, what, what that entails, that really, I, I tend to resonate with that. Ron Paul, I read his, when I read his books, I feel like 
Oh, this is me. This is what I really believe I would in. definitely follow, like, I would consent to a government of Ron Paul enforcing the Constitution, restoring the Bill of Rights. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a compromise I could live with. Yeah, and I would say he's anarcho-capitalist, whether he admits he said, to it or not. Yeah, I think that's probably right. As a matter of fact, Rand Paul called me once for a fundraiser before he was actually senator, and he didn't know, you know, I, I was nothing. I was in the Target in the crayon aisle with my <laughs> daughter. And it was a long time ago before I had a radio show. And I told him that I secretly felt that his father was an anarcho-capitalist. And you could just, you could just hear the life force drain out of him on his, like, 5,000th call. He was like, what? Uh, an anarcho what? And I just, but in my, like, vision, I thought he would go home and, like, Dad, do you have something to right. tell me? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I would have taken Rand Paul this yes, last go round, totally. too. Yes, so, totally. Rand Paul, yeah. completely fine. I, I am giving him the benefit of the doubt that he was trying to go for a compromise yes. that would have actually gotten him a win. And it's interesting to note that he actually did less well than his father. The compromise position, and that's what, like, Hans-Hermann Hoppe, a big libertarian yeah. thinker, always says. Like, people, are, uh, the purity appeals to people. Right. And if you start backing off, that's no good. I have one more question for you. Okay. How far down the rabbit hole do you go? Do you think that the, that conspiracy theories and libertarianism go hand in hand? Well, the more libertarians that I meet, I find out that there's a lot of there's a whole spectrum for whatever reason, and it goes so far in either direction. Some people are really turned off by it. Yeah, by I, the, it annoys them. I, I don't know why that is. I understand though. They want. I guess there's a lot of people that really want the libertarians to present themselves, you know, with a suit and tie or something like that. I don't. I don't know what that's all about. But me personally, I go. All the way down the rabbit hole. All the way down the rabbit hole. In the rabbit hole. All the way down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Somebody needs to throw you a rope. Yes. Now I think it's because the the left right paradigm and maybe the kinder gentler libertarian that's there, um, still hoping for a libertarian leading Republican to save the day. That those that there are those people who still have hope for the two party system, have a very hard time. Uh, criticizing their own side. So if they're going to watch Fox or CNN, they don't, they're like, oh, we're going to lose this election if you, if you discredit this information. But once you've lost hope, I feel like you can embrace the truth about how fake the information is. That You can see, if you watch CNN, you know it's baloney. But right. if you watch Fox, once you realize that's baloney too, you're like, okay, what's really going on? And then the whole, the scales fall from your eyes. Yeah, it's like a cognitive dissonance and a fear, though. Like when we, with the last, uh, the last, Senate, Senate race here with Johnny Isaacson, and they had a libertarian, Alan Buckley, and I helped Alan. Yes. And, you know, it was amazing how much support he had, but how many people seemed to be afraid that, but that I have enough conservative values that I don't want to jeopardize someone who's conservative at all from losing. So I can't, it's that throw my vote away thing. Well, and I have so an answer real. to those people. Who would have thought that Donald Trump, uh, the <laughs> most yeah. polarizing, I mean, he was downright foul mouthed yes. at times. Yes. That he would could say, you know, that Billy Bush thing, you know, what what stars are allowed to do to women. Right. I, I I wasn't even like oh, horrified. I don't really care. But the fact that he could say that stuff, and that that was something people thought was electable, or as a twelve-term congressman. Yeah, yeah that's acceptable, but, you know, but taxation being theft is not acceptable. Right, that's too yeah. radical. Yeah, that's too radical. So yeah. I feel like anybody who says, because people would say, you can't vote for Ron Paul, you're wasting your vote. If you think if Donald if you think Donald Trump won fair and square because of a grassroots uprising, then we should probably have a President Ron yeah, Paul right now. I agree. So thank you so much, Austin, thank for you. for hosting us and for joining us here. I do I, I do want to see from the crowd. I'm gonna take a call first. 
but I want to ask people what they think Ron Paul's first 100 days would have been like, what we would really have, um, maybe a dead president. But if, <laughs> if that didn't work, then, then what, it, what it might actually look like. But you can call about that, too, 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TORK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to a call. I'm going to go to Mark in Sandy Springs. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. Um, hi, Mark. On, hi. On the tax thing, um, yep. I listened to Eric von Hessler basically, basically for entertainment value. But last week he said that there is no way that Trump should have had to pay $35 million in taxes. And he's directly at odds with you, so I'd just like to hear your input. Yes. Uh, for me, I th it's really funny because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this. I've, if you read even libertarians about uh, uh, wealth tax or all sorts of practical economic reasons, you don't really want that. But for me, I just I find that the principle is always also the practical answer. Whether, whether we've gotten our principles handed down from a God who gave us human nature or if these principles have bubbled up from 10,000 years of human civilization, the principles are the principles because they're the right answer. And for me, if you really are looking to a government to protect you and your stuff, and you, the more you have, the more you use, why have an income tax where people who are the truly wealthy are not wage earners. They're not, they, they are not making the income tax. It's the professional class that, makes the, that, that earns income and gets taxed. Similarly, if you have any kind of consumption tax, consumption of, at that level is just, I know they say it's not regressive, but just buying stuff at stores. You know, wealthy people aren't buying the The bulk of their expenditures are not buying stuff at stores. They use contracts to make deals. Those are defended in the courts. They have land and property that's defended by the police and, uh, and ultimately the military. So you could do the math in different ways. I think the math would work. And I think that the, the just way is that a person and her property uh, should establish the proportion of taxes. So if, if Trump is really so unbelievably wealthy as that, and he has that many assets, then we're paying to protect those assets, and he can pay too. Um, but I'm an anarcho-capitalist, so I think taxation is theft. I don't agree. And I think the Articles of Confederation were, was the experiment of a limited government it was an experiment that was laid down by people who really, the Enlightenment thinkers, who really understood this sovereignty idea. And, uh, and that experiment lasted eight years until the Constitution replaced the Articles of Confederation and gave the federal government the right to tax. And then growth is just unlimited at that point. Um, and that's it. That's no good. Yeah. Well, I guess Power then. to tax is the power to destroy. So thank you so much for the call, Mark. Let's uh, get some tweets, Binkley. You got a tweet for me? Yeah, I do. Johnny Cook, he agrees with you that we, you know, Ron Paul might not last the full 100 days. He actually thinks that neither Ron nor Rand would make it 100 days, that they both might have some sort of accident. I feel that Rand was a compromiser, and I think, and I, I don't say that badly, I think that he... Uh, he was willing to play the game, and he is willing to play the game, and I, I under, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's doing it to achieve the right 
goal, to try to get a, a small win. I also think, it's so funny, Bill Hicks, he was that comedian who died young, right? Yeah. I had this this idea, and I, I'd never even heard of Bill Hicks before. I recently saw it, that he had this idea, too, that right after the swearing in, you go back to the Oval Office, and the they show you the Zapruder film, the film of JFK getting his head blown off. Bill Hicks added a little twist to it where he said, it's just from a different angle. It's, like, clearly from, like, the car in front of Kennedy, you know, where they just, like, uh, <laughs> this, how do you like, this is our work. And then after that, you don't do anything you said you were going to do. But if you look at Ronald Reagan, maybe he was a deep state guy and uh, and the deep state can't be trusted. But I think it was in his first year, I think it was a matter of months before uh, they shot him. So I don't. And then he got his mind right. <laughs> got his mind right. And, and that was it for him. So, yes, could he accomplish? Could Ron Paul actually accomplished this stuff. I think that he would shake up the system in a way they would have to deal with that Trump won't, that we were hoping for from Trump. But I've been operating under the uh, looks like thesis that Trump was there to replace Ron Paul, replace the Tea Party, to have somebody who defines the right as a European right, a, na- a nationalistic, populist Right, which is not what, and that continuum from libertarian through Ron Paul to the original Tea Party is all about our founding principles, uh, uh, individualism, justice. You know, you think Ron Paul is arguing about liberty all the time, but really what what comes down to it, the very base of what Ron Paul is all about is justice. That's why he looks at other human beings in other countries and tells us the golden rule applies to them, that the government does not give us our rights, that they are God-given. So other people have those same rights. And, and a lot of people have a hard time getting their mind around that. But let's talk a little bit about what Ron Paul, if he were actually had any power in office, what, what would the ideal libertarian president do? 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We are broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub. Yay! In Roswell on Market Boulevard. Back after these messages. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are broadcasting live from the Harp Pub in Roswell. The uh, high today of 86. Smart's high is also 86. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We were talking about uh, the nexus of Trump's first 100 days and libertarianism, and I asked the question, what would Ron Paul, what would his first 100 days have been like? And here with us at our Liberty on the Rocks event at the Harp is one of my favorite Atlanta activists, Garland, from VoterGA.org. Hi, Garland. Hi, Monica. Uh, thanks for uh, asking the question. That's a great question. What would Ron Paul have done? I agree. If he had stayed alive for 100 days... He right. would have never bombed Syria. Absolutely never bombed Why Syria. Why not? Because he's a, not an interventionist. And I'm, I'm concerned that the neocons have already hijacked Donald Trump's foreign policy just in that one act. Oh, I kind of feel like they put him in there just to do that. My litmus test for him was Syria. And I was like, I don't, I'm not buying this guy because 
he just gets too much free press. You saw what they yeah. did to Ron Paul. They just ignored him. There was no, this just, I smelled a rat, and this was the this proof positive. And the press, which has been on him constantly, suddenly gives him a total free pass Unanimous. on Syria. I what does that tell that. you? Yes, because the left should be protesting wars, but instead they're focusing, they are being focused on refugees, welcome refugees, but, you know, just peel the onion one layer, like, stop the wars and you won't have the refugees. They don't want to come over here, you know, so leave them. What happened to the anti-war people? I don't know. No, Obama put an end to that. So, and, and, uh, I feel like the Trump presidency, if he gets us into this big giant war, then they, they didn't want Hillary to do that because that would have really put the, the last nail in the Democrats' yeah. coffin as far as anti-war. So they'll bring, you know, Elizabeth Warren in or something to say, oh, I'm a peacenik and she'll, I have to finish this war. I mean, I didn't start it, but dagnabbit, I'm a tough lady. I'm going to finish it. So that's, that's my what to watch out for. Well, well, and plus there was a political motivation as well because that reduced all the criticism about Russia. So yes, it does. Sudden, oh, I think sudden, that now it, he's tough on Russia. I think it played right into the Russia story. I think they I think there was a storyboard on this six months ago. So give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB Talk. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. We are broadcasting live from the Harp in Roswell. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. I'm here till 6 o'clock at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell with Liberty on the Rocks. We are connecting with the vast spectrum of Atlanta libertarians, even some conservatives. I think we have some of the grand poobah of the Libertarian Party here somewhere. Maybe we can talk to him. Uh, I'm going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can ask me anything about libertarianism. I was wondering what people thought Ron Paul would have done in his first 100 days. Today is the 100th day of Donald Trump's uh, term, his first term. And I just was thinking how interesting, as I've been studying that, it would be to contrast that with what Ron Paul would do, assuming he survived. I'm not sure that's, that's uh, if, Ron, if Ronald Reagan barely survived, I think a Ron Paul would not have survived. I also want to take some tweets at Monica Perez show. I am going to go to CJ in Indiana. I know CJ in Indiana. But I can't click through, so if somebody can, Ahmad, if you can click, give me that uh, call, that's great. Thank you. CJ, uh, you are on with CJ. You are the CJ of Rogue Money, correct? That is correct, Monica. Awesome. I have been a guest on Rogue Money. I think it's (laughs) probably, I'm not sure I give you and V, the host, any airtime. I'm sure that you have to parse out the number of times you have me on because I do never stop talking, but I'm going to let you talk right now. Uh, do you want to chime in on maybe what Ron Paul's first 100 days would have been like? Sure. I mean, I definitely would have loved to have seen a Rand Paul or Ron Paul in office in regards to Trump. I think primarily that his inability to govern, you know, he was regarded by many as the outsider, having no political experience. So it'd been very interesting. it would have been very interesting to see a libertarian be able to try to effectively manage when the swamp is just so big 
in this paradigm of left and right and the ability to get Congress and Senate. I mean, look at it from this perspective, Monica. Donald Trump's a Republican, and he can't effectively even govern having the House and the Senate. Well, you know what would have been cool, CJ, like the libertarian solution to the Obamacare deadlock. You talk about deadlock in Washington. For me, that's usually a good thing. And that's what the Obamacare, everything they can agree, they can all agree to repeal it. They repealed it like 50 times when they knew Obama would veto it. That is such a tell. It just it's so funny. But if you had a libertarian there, you'd repeal it and then you'd deal with it. You would, you know, get a little grandfather clause, a little fund going to bridge the gap to people who have already been affected by it. But I don't, I, I never think gridlock in Washington is the problem. The problem is compromise. That's what I'm worried about. So I'll give you exactly. one, one more tidbit, CJ. What's your last word? Yeah, just my last words in regards to, you know, Trump's 100 days in terms of, in terms of liberty. You know, Trump has done pretty much a 180 on everything. When I hear that 96% of the people that voted for him still would vote for him today after his 100 days, I'm just amazed by that figure when you think of how many things that he's flipped on from Trump the candidate versus Trump the president. I think that there is some serious uh, – it's the media influence. I look at Fox News. They basically gave the okay to vote for this guy, and they did not for Ron Paul. And now I see – Fox totally changing the guard, kind of circling the drain. I feel like it's on purpose. I feel like you're going to have this transformed middle of the road. Uh, that was something Dean tweeted at me, and I think it was spot on. They're going to have this middle of the road um, centrist media, and that's going to be your new Republican position. Thanks so much for the call, CJ. I've got somebody here live and in person yes. to to. Talk to us from the heart. We're so lucky, Monica, that Nathan Wilson, who's the executive director of the Georgia Libertarian Party, is with us. We've met Welcome. before, Nathan. Yay! Right here at Liberty on the Rocks. Have we not met before right here in this uh, Harp Pub in Roswell? Yes, I'm also the chairman of this organization, so we have... Uh, oh. He's president. Austin's I, the I, president of the of Liberty on the Rocks, and you're the chairman? Yes. Awesome. So you're you're very active, and I, I contend that there's quite a robust... Uh, community of libertarians here in Atlanta. You have Anarchy Atlanta, you have Libertarian Party, Liberty on the Rocks, this whole spectrum. So tell me, give me your two cents. All right. So uh, we were talking about, like, what is a libertarian? And uh, one of the biggest things is a libertarian believes in your past, present, and future of liberty. So you have your past, which is your ownership of your blood, sweat, and tears. And then you have your present, your liberty of freedom to move around. And then your future is your life. And no one person or government has the right to take or deny you that. And that, that is the very simple terms that we have. And we talk about, you know, anarchists and minarchists. It's funny, a libertarian is someone who has either indirectly in their life or in someone's life, someone they care about, where government has affected life negatively. They usually become a libertarian. They usually become an anarchist when they fight the government <laughs> uh -oh. and lose. Would you have someone like myself? I'm who's, an anarchist. I, I, I'm an anarchist as well, and I'm the executive director. And the reason it's come full circle with me getting involved in this organization is because I saw it affecting my family. And I can stand up for myself, but when others are getting affected and you see the government regulations, you need to be able to do something about that. And unfortunately, the political spectrum is one of the biggest ways to help get that voice heard. And as much as I distaste it, yeah. 
you have to play that game in order to make any progress. And if we hit that 10% mark, I think the ideas of liberty will become the norm. And you will have, uh, we'll be having a different conversation. Hopefully the minarchists are the, the people we're complaining about and we need to take it a little step further. I became an anarchist by thinking really hard. And I, so I think there's that way to do it too and really digging in. I agree with you that there is some, there's some value in fighting the fight. So I really am on the thousand year plan of we won't have voluntarism until so coercive power becomes a taboo, like slavery, where people are like, oh, no, that guy wants power. And that's not going to happen until we've run the course of what people are still smoking the Kool-Aid that the American experiment is continuing. I, and I feel like until, I, I'm afraid to say that as, until that <clears throat> demonstrates that it really was not possible to have a monopoly government limit itself, that uh, people are not going to open their eyes. I have to cut real quick for a traffic red alert, uh, and I'll be right back. This is a traffic red alert from the WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center. 443 Colray Carrier, WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center, and this is in Gwinnett County, 316 westbound at Harbins Road. Serious crash with injuries, three vehicles involved, tractor, trailer, uh, tanker truck. It's carrying fuel, all lanes blocked uh, westbound. It's also affecting eastbound travel, and we're told they're going to have to possibly offload all that fuel. 316 westbound shutdown at Harbins Road. Now more of Monica Perez on WSB. So we are here at the Harp Pub in Roswell at Liberty on the Rocks, and I am talking to Nathan Wilson, who is the chairman of Liberty on the Rocks, but also the Libertarian Party, right? And you have, uh, but you also say you're an anarchist. So I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't believe in the power of government, but I do what I'm doing. So I try to to defend the Bill of Rights as a compromised position that I wouldn't mind kicking the can down the road of the crisis I believe that we're going to have to experience to really come out the other side and have truly just government. I worry for my kids. I really am not the one who wants to just, you know, light it all up right now. I think we might be able to kick the can far enough down. It doesn't have to be that traumatic. But what what is your – if you could just tell me in a nutshell – what you think our best hope is, kind of why you're doing what you do, but in a nutshell. Uh, I think the best thing so far is what we see right now going state to state. And so you see the rejection of the federal mandates. And so if we have several of the departments basically being taken care of through that means, then we have a much larger leverage essentially with the federal government in order limiting the size of it. I did, uh, it caught my eye, and I haven't really dug too far into it, but I like the, is it the Tenth Amendment Society? There's a new organization that I've seen. Are you familiar with that at all? Are you okay with it? Yeah, <laughs> and some of them want to call for the Articles Confederation to, to basically to put in the uh, it, the Constitutional Convention type thing. It's, it's taken well, a that, little, little further than... That I wouldn't do. I, I, maybe I've got the wrong organization, but the Tenth Amendment group wants to restore states' rights. The Constitutional Convention, I'm actually against that because... Yeah, you too? Yeah, it's a little terrifying because it does put it in the hands of the majority, and you could restructure the government actually stronger and yes. less, less in, force. In my rights. opinion, 
there is absolutely no chance on earth the black and white of the Constitution and Bill of Rights is going to be improved upon by tearing it up and starting over in today's day and age. They don't adhere to it. If they did, I, I could live with that. I would like it. I think it's theoretically impossible to have a course of monopoly government with the right to tax and, uh, you know, monopoly on violence and have them protect our rights. But if it were ever going to happen, it's there already in the Bill of Rights. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, anything you want to um, add or promote, you can always contact us. Uh, follow me at Twitter, Nathan, the number four, Liberty. Fantastic. At Nathan for Liberty, number four. Thanks, Nathan. Binkley, let's, uh, let's go to Twitter. You got a tweet for me? Anything current? Yeah, HF says that he just loves it when you talk about the Constitution. I love talking about the Constitution, HF, I have to say. Yeah, he loves he's, listening. He's down with that. <laughs> I Actually, you can talk about the Constitution. People think that it's the super complicated and you're so smart if you're a con law professor or whatever. But you just really, honestly, have to read it. Like, that's all you have to do. So when people, these guys in the Republican Party, walk around with their Constitution and little flag pins, and then vote for NSA funding. I would say, you know, it, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to read the Fourth Amendment. So this guy, uh, that, that's the big problem I have with the Republicans is that it's all talk. And in one of my favorite books, Our Enemy, the State by Albert J. Nock, which he wrote in the 30s, he writes exactly that. Like, they, they, even back then, they would pull out their constitution and they would talk about it until it didn't serve their purposes, and then they would put it back in their pocket. So, never changes. Let's do more of that after the break. I want to get to uh, some more calls, more uh, voices from their event today, which is a special session of Liberty on the Rocks. It is here at the Harp Irish Pub uh, at, on, at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell, you can you can call 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or come on down to the Harp in Roswell. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Intervals of clouds and sunshine tomorrow. High of 86. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we are here at Liberty on the Rocks, live from the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell, having a great time talking about liberty. There are a lot of different ideas, exchanging ideas. Who knew the head of the Libertarian Party was an anarcho-capitalist? I mean, you know, these people have hidden depths. And you can find out what all this means if you want to come down or just call in or listen in, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to a regular caller, Reggie. Hi, Reggie. You're on with Monica. Hi, hi, Monica. How are you doing? Happy Saturday to you. Long time. Yeah, why, why didn't you come down to the Harp, Reggie? I'd love to meet you in person. You're a regular caller. Because I can't drive because I don't, I don't have a car because I can't drive. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, get, I'll let you off the hook. What do you have to say? We got about a little more than a minute, a minute or so. Tell me what you got. Well, I wonder, like you said, well, you brought up CNN and Fox, but the network that you hadn't brought up was uh, MSNBC. And why do they keep covering Donald Trump psychotically or psychotically upset with Donald Trump? Aren't they more equally important, relevant news in the world, such as terrorism and all of that? 
you know, why did these Well, let me ask you a question, Reggie. Did mm-hmm. you ever see the uh, leaked audio that Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski were interviewing Trump during the campaign and said to him at the break, like uh, they call it down the line on the mics, they were talking and, and actually asked him if they could ask him this question. And he said, no, nothing hard. Don't ask me that question. And they did it. And this, they, in the face of it was that they were super tough on him. But right. actually, it seemed very stage managed. And my guess is that continues. They don't want to talk about real issues. They want to continue to make him look like he's fighting against all odds. Right. And you why, with me on you know, that? Why, yeah. Why do they do that? I know. Well, they did it, I think. my For me, the litmus test was whether or not he would escalate the war in Syria. I think you probably know, as well as I do, that the Syrian thing is more about a, pipe, a pipeline running gas from Qatar to Europe than it is about ch- saving children. And, and for me, I just feel like if... He failed that test, and now I believe that we were basically led down a garden path that this guy was really an outsider. But he's just continuing the foreign policy of his predecessors, I'm sorry to say. But we can talk about uh, Trump's 100 days, first 100 days, if you want. At the bottom of the hour, I think I'm going to do a little rapid fire, what I think about 10 issues in 100 days. But you can call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We are broadcasting live from the Heart Pub in Roswell. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. This is a very special Saturday, though, because we are broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell. We are having lots of fun with a broad spectrum of libertarians and lots of other people. Super, super fun. Very friendly atmosphere. Uh, so nothing to be afraid of. But we're also taking calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and tweets at Monica Perez Show about anything. You can ask the libertarian, what would Ron Paul's first 100 days have been like? Uh, but I have a very, really great Twitter community. So I've had actually people sign up for Twitter just to be part of this conversation. So I'm at Monica Perez show. One of my favorite tweets, as they say, is at where did Dean go? And uh, he is here with us live in person. And you've probably heard Dean's tweets on the air. But he was the first person I tweeted after Trump won. And I was just like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I didn't get this right. I thought Trump was setting us up, but I thought he was setting us up for a Hillary victory. And I asked Dean what he thought was really going on because I was toying with the idea that he really was, this was an upset. And and for me, the litmus test was going to be if he escalated the war in Syria, it was going to be clear to me that he was just there to uh, continue the same policies. 
And for me, he, you know, he failed that test. But Dean had such an interesting insight, which was that he was there uh, perhaps, like if the, if the fix was in, that he was there to kind of be a fall guy. So if we are moving away from uh, zero interest rates in perpetuity, ZERP, which libertarians tend to be economically minded, so a lot of them are going to know what I'm talking about, the Fed, the evil Fed, uh, keeps interest rates super, super low to stimulate the economy. They print money to restore the coffers of um, super wealthy who lost their money in big crashes. Uh, they make sure bailouts are possible. And to get away from these zero interest rates is going to be a painful process. And, and it's almost impossible to think about how we're going to get out of that. And uh, if you had a fall guy in there to take the fall for an economic adjustment, that would make sense. I wonder if he's there to escalate the war in Syria so that the Democrats didn't have to take responsibility for that, even though Obama was dropping 20,000 bombs a year there and uh, nobody seemed to notice. Anyway, so uh, Dean's one of the folks here. And I was wondering, Dean, if you feel like letting me pick your brain a little bit, if, you, if you've come up with what you're kind of gut instinct is on like the, the meaning of Trump. Like what do you think he is really there for? Do you still believe that or you think it's bigger than that or what? Well I think he could definitely be the uh, still set up for the fall guy but if you look globally uh, what if the establishment globally are just pushing populism and then set up the downfall and just blame it on the populace and then you just bring in a new regime. Or right. new so, financial system. So, yes, that's another thing. So one thing that it's possible, and I was wondering about this. So, like, the furthest I would go on taking him, to taking Trump seriously, like, as a serious threat to the establishment, was that maybe there are actually two factions, like George Soros on one side and somebody else on the other. But if this is just a way to generate a reaction that a backlash that will re- enthuse people for globalism like see what happens when you don't when you when you try to turn the ship away from globalism and that this will actually accelerate the embrace of globalism that's what i'm a little bit afraid of so that's one theory that i i think is worth keeping our eyes open for and then the other thing was the new financial system i mean that is something that's a little hard to get to the bottom of but if the dollar were no longer like the reserve currency it would flood back into this country we'd have some crazy inflation so that would not be good. But is that what you're thinking? Like they would do special drawing rights and have a new currency for international transactions? Well, yeah, I've heard something like that. Or um, I think, who was it? Philosophy of Metrics. I know you've read yes. them before where yeah, they're thinking about thought. having uh, gold back SDR and then have a uh, global and domestic dollar. And to have two different rates. Yes, so I was actually thinking when you look at the economic protectionism that they're bringing in on shipbuilding, you know, they're promoting a return to manufacturing, which really kind of came out of nowhere. This populist idea came out of nowhere. Shipbuilding, vehicles, steel, all this stuff. It almost feels like there's a, uh, that it might be preparation for a war footing, that, that this, that the, it's like Mussolini's term, autarky, where you can you can produce everything at home because you're you know it interferes with trade. I mean, I almost fear that. You think there's any chance that we're going that 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 kind of uh, 20th century approach to changing the monetary system? Uh, possibly. I mean, you never know what's in their uh, wheelhouse, like what they want to do or what they want to bring about upon us. Yeah. Well, I, I 
We'll see. But I always love, you're usually right, and I encourage people to follow at Where Did Dean Go. I hope that doesn't make you change your Twitter handle as well. (laughs) Believe me, all the tweets are not nice. So, but anyway, thank you very much for that insight. I'm going to keep watching your tweets, and and we're going to continue this conversation on Twitter, at Monica Pareto. Thanks, Dean. No problem. So, uh, okay, I've got a, I'm going to go to a call. And then uh, I have a couple more questions right here on the scene. I'm going to go to Angie in Sharpsburg. Angie, are you ready? You are on the air with Monica. Yes, I am. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I just had a question about term limits and what you thought maybe President Trump could do uh, with an executive action on that. And uh, I just I want your opinion. I don't know if uh, libertarians are for term limits. Um, I'm hoping you are, but um, I just want to hear what you had to say about it. Yes. I'm going to turn on my radio now. I'm going to hang up and, um, and get you. your thoughts. Thanks for the question, Angie. I'll tell you that I was at this United Tea Party of Georgia on Monday, and it was in coming, and, and a lot of the people were very pro-term limits. So uh, as a, a libertarian kind of knee-jerk reaction would be you don't want to restrict – anybody from doing anything so they can run for office if they want to and term limits specifically to the libertarian would have cut ron paul off at the knees and he was a 12-term congressman and really our only hope but i am beginning to consider uh the uh advocating for term limits i'll think a little more deeply about it i do believe it would require a constitutional amendment though because there are qualifications written in there that do not limit by term, except for the president. But I think it's worth digging into because it would be nice if we could take the money out of out of politics at least uh, a little bit. I mean, maybe it'd help us kick the can down the road. I don't know. So uh, let's do some. Let's do a tweet at Monica Perez show. What, right. do you, what do you got for me? Pete? Well, Ridgeway says that he gives Trump's first 100 days an A+. Plus. Wow. He says okay. the man's doing what he said he would do. Uh, well, I, I could differ with that because, like, for example, when I saw that first uh, immigration law, it was like the Muslim ban, they called it, right out of the box. I went to law school. I'm not, you know, a genius at law. I didn't practice law, but I could read it, and I immediately recognized that you would never, ever put a landmine in there. Like, people in the air with valid documents will not be able to enter this country, and agencies have to enforce it immediately, uh, overnight. You know, that's just something you would never do. So before, I actually read it immediately before there was any press about it whatsoever. And then (laughs) when it blew up as planned, I'm sure I wrote an article called, I tried. (laughs) So I had this feeling, uh, I, I just said, what to watch out for. We speculate, I was speculating that he might be just going about things in such a bombastic way that he can say, I tried over and over again and not do it. So another example would be the Obamacare. He wrote an executive order, got a lot of fanfare. And when the time came to take a hard line on it, if you're going to repeal, he always said repeal and replace, and I've never liked that. But if you're going to repeal it, there there had been, you know, the GOP would did repeal it when they knew it wouldn't actually get repealed. But I will, there is a deeper meaning to that tweet, I know, which is 
he did what he said he was going to do. But I never really liked what he said he was going to do. He never said he was going to restore the Bill of Rights. The only thing he mentioned in his acceptance speech was that he was going to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure. I would much rather if he said, I'm going to reduce a trillion dollars of the debt, not increase it. He, he paid lip service to this idea that we need to drop a lot of bombs to defeat ISIS instead of just stop funding the people who created ISIS. You know, that's a tool which Michael Flynn, in his days running the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, there was a leaked document that made it very clear that at the very least they let that thing bubble up on purpose in order to unseat Assad. That was a trap. And when all these guys, even Bernie Sanders, came out, and paid lip service to that very easily debunked premise that you know, the sand needs to turn to glass in order to uh, restore peace and prosperity to America. It, you know, I, I have to say, he said that stuff, and I didn't like it. I do think he was misleading when he said peace through strength or um, we were strongest when, when uh, our politics stopped at the water's edge. Maybe he meant then we just start bombing people, you know, past the water's edge. I don't know. But yeah, it's a double-edged sword. He said what he, he, you know, he wanted, he did what he said, but I thought the signals were all there, that he was certainly not going to be the guy who brought back the purity of the American experiment. So let's continue this conversation, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We are broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub on Market Boulevard in Roswell. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 83 outside the studio. Skies are a little overcast. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. But we are not at the studio. We are at Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub in Roswell. But we're still taking your calls and uh, having a very interesting and super, super fun conversation. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to a call. I am Hein? Heine. 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 You are... Hello to yourself. Heine Marietta. (laughs) (laughs) You got to spell that with an M. Okay. Uh, I'm great. How are you doing? All right. You have the most powerful, most loving voice. Uh, You should have went to nursing or doctoring or something like that. That's... Oh, thank you so much. I absolutely could never do that. Those people are saints. So I'm doing that. This is the most I can do to uh, use my gifts. So what you got for me? Well, uh, by by any chance, are you single? Listen, I need a green card. We can work something out. (laughs) I I don't have much cash, but I got $90,000 in food stamp credit cards I got from the the winos downtown. Oh, don't tell me that. If I'll give you one more chance to to make a point, and then I'm going to think that you're pranking me. What do you got, Jaime? You got anything? For 100 days, uh, you know, he's bombarded with uh, Russia, 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 leaks, leaks, leaks. But what a lot of people don't know, that was retaliation by WikiLeaks because they did kill a WikiLeaks man that was inside the Democratic Party. And that was mentioned once in the news, and you never heard anything about oh, it. Oh, right? you're talking, wait, not WikiLeaks, but are you talking about that young Hillary yes. staffer who was shot in D.C.? You heard it one time, maybe a couple of days yep. in the news, and they shut it. That was That's right. Yeah, that was retaliation for... Uh, them doing that, Hillary's, uh, the, ne- the very next day after that, it was a, a, a mic- not a micro, but like a, a white tidal wave of, of, of leaks. And 
That's a very interesting theory. My problem, Jaime, is that I really, uh, when it gets to where, I feel like nowadays they're actually pumping out stories that are meant to distract us and confuse us. I will say that that guy's murder made absolutely no sense. But then when I started listening to the radio and I heard somebody, mainstream guy, say, oh, I think Hillary did it, I thought, ah, (laughs) it's too easy. It's a gimme. All right, I'll give you your last word, Jaime, and then i got to take a break. Okay, well, God bless, and and, uh, I hope this is a wonderful year for everybody in the pub. Oh, thank you so much. Next time you'll have to join us, Jaime. So we are... Uh, headed into our last half hour, so if you want to come down, now's the time. I'll be able to take my <laughs> my little break. At, at 6 o'clock after the show, I'm going to stick around. But in the meanwhile, give us a call, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Take some more calls and tweets. We are here at Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub in Roswell. And this is Monica Perez. You got me excited. Because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And uh, But this is a special Saturday where we are broadcasting live in the ha- last half hour of our live broadcast from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub in Roswell. Yes! Come on down. I'm going to, as soon as I'm off the air at 6 o'clock, I'm going to stop down and have a Guinness and socialize. But people are already having a great time exchanging their libertarian vibes and ideas. And we're also opening up to calls, so join in the fun, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I am going to go to Ernie. Ernie is in Rome. Hi, Ernie. You're on with Monica. No, no, it's not Ernie. It's Arnie. Ernie. Ernie works oh, first. Arnie. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm under certain circumstances. Uh, okay, okay, Arnie, I'm sorry. Talk to me, bro. I know you've been on hold a while. Go. Oh, yeah, I was a long-time libertarian, and uh, back uh, many years ago, I attended several of the conventions, and I uh, supported Bob Barr, volunteered, paid money, and and uh, campaigned for Bob Barr and Wayne Allen Root. And uh, yeah. I was uh, disappointed because the National come out with the uh, thing about uh, – open borders you know they're more in favor of open borders rather than doing what uh, trump is trying to do and uh, so that's uh, what ended my stay with the libertarians yeah i i appreciate that the that is one of it is an issue that libertarians can disagree with you can't as a libertarian you would never want to use force to prevent people from having arm's length transactions. If somebody from another country wants to live in my house and take care of my kids, it wouldn't matter if the roads were private and I paid for them and had permission for that. But once you have, it's not just the welfare state, it's the fact that governments require that you have a road going right up to your house. They don't allow you to choose who you associate with in your own organization. So when the when the government breaks down the borders of your own private property, a libertarian could say that they uh, 
do need to defend the national borders. But that's just a compromise position. And you really wouldn't have an immigration problem if you didn't have the government screwing with the uh, the labor market with having welfare floors where people won't work if they're making less than a certain amount of money, minimum wages, if you didn't uh, uh, mess with other people's countries where it drove people out of there and this is the only place that's stable. It's, it's really the immigration problem is a function of, of having a state that lost its way, that doesn't have the kind of liberty and freedom. So it's a very, it's actually really complicated issue and I wrote a long and interesting post about it and then proceeded to get grief from all sides but you can check it out I wrote the uh, libertarian immigration conundrum it's on my website monicaparesho.com thank you so much Arnie for the call I'm going to go to somebody in the crowd here who am I talking to hi uh, hi Monica my name is John uh, my hi, question John. hi my question for you is uh, how would you explain libertarianism to a child oh that's a good one <laughs> well I remember sitting in the car with my little daughter in the public's parking lot, and she was little. And she had already been brainwashed by her little preschool, and we saw somebody in the car next to us smoking cigarettes. So she said he should not be allowed to do that because it's bad for him. And I looked at her. She was a lollipop addict, I can just tell you. And I said... You know, you know that lollipops are bad for you, right? I, I was just like, yeah. I said, okay, sometimes you're having a bad day. You just want to go for it, and it's none of my business. And she completely, I mean, her little, I could see her little mind working. And I said, so am I ever going to hear you tell that guy in his own car what he can or cannot do? And she said, nope, because she wanted me to keep my hands off of her lollipops. And I, and I try to explain to them really how I do it with my kids is I say, look, you can go your own path. They get a little sick of my down the rabbit hole and constantly you know, criticizing what I'm hearing. But I always tell them in your life, in your journey, make sure that you always hold up. First of all, make sure that what the facts are true that you're using to make decisions and always hold it up to the standard of thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. If you really look at the heart of the matter and you hold those two tenets, moral tenets that are universally shared around the world to every single decision that is made by your agents, I think you will end up being a libertarian. So I let them on there. How about you? You got an answer for me? No, I do not. You I wish I did. That's great. That's All right, good. I'm, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Really what about your daughter's bookmark, Monica? <laughs> or was it your daughter? Oh, yeah. It's my this daughter of mine. They must have thought she was something else, or I was, because they asked them to make a bookmark for their mom uh, for Mother's Day. So she gives it to me. It's so sweet and uh, has a little, like, present on the top. It's actually my Facebook page picture, and it says, Anarcho-Capitalist Radio Host. <laughs> right? And the teacher was like, what? What is this exactly? And then I sent my other son. My son was... Uh, uh, exploring the topic of taxation without representation. Like the, so he was a little older by this point. And he, I said, I explained to him how national debt is taxation without representation because he did not get to vote. He himself has no representative, yet they are spending money that he will have to pay back. So he loved this. He really grasped the concept, and he went in, and he told his teacher, this is a private school at this point, a Catholic school, and she just shut him right down. You don't understand. That's not what this is about. And I thought, you know, 
think outside the cage there, lady. Think outside the cage because he's right. If she had just thought about it, she would have been really proven. And I'll give you one last thing. I know this is awful to go on and on, but I also sent him in. Uh, they were talking about, like, some facts from history. And I, uh, they had to bring in one, a graph. And I found the graph of the price of milk for the past 250 years since the founding of the country. And it was totally flat until the Fed was invented. And then it just hit the roof. And he went in and explained the value of the gold standard. And, and she did get it. That was, and that was at the public school. So I try to use these teaching moments. And uh, hopefully they'll turn out right. They'll probably reject it for a while and then return. Let's hope for that. So anyway, thank you so much for the, for the question, John. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, let me take one more call, and then I'm I'm happy to take another person from the crowd, or maybe a tweet. I'm going to Trey. Trey in Roswell. Hey, Trey. Hello, uh, hello, Miss Perez. Uh, thank you for having me. And I just wanted to say, uh, first of all, that you are so brave as not only a libertarian but a woman who is who's speaking against this ever-growing government force that we have. See, that, that's my secret weapon, is that people underestimate when they call in. They think I'm like a, an affirmative action hire, and then they get there. They, they have to actually make an argument. No, seriously, that's why I think that's so bad, that it makes people underestimate each other. And, and in reality, you know, it's just about the idea. So thank you for your comment. Go. What else you got? Uh, uh, well, I was talking to you. Uh, we said we were talking about monopolization. But I was thinking a little bit more about it. So what I personally advocate for as an anarcho-capitalist so, uh, is, like, small protectivist societies that would, like, uh, embrace tradition. This kind of answers that question of protecting our borders that you were uh, talking about because, like, these small societies, like, banishment would be the death penalty, you know? And Oh, yes, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and you wouldn't really have to worry about, like, people coming in who were unwanted or if there was an overpopulation problem. Because most businesses or most, like, landowners just want to, like, sell land to them, like, if it was, like, really that big of a problem. Can I can I say, so one, what I'm hearing or what I think I'm hearing is that if you actually had a libertarian society, you could make your own communities. And if it were unanimous, you could actually establish borders and uh, and have whatever values or rules you wanted. It would just be voluntary. You couldn't. Uh, you know, you couldn't force somebody to live by your rules. If they already bought a house, you couldn't surround them and then say, oh, we're changing the rules on you. And, that, and, and you're actually not allowed to do that in this society. So that's why all of a sudden we all have to agree on the rules of the borders because all 300-plus million of us are subject to these rules where we're, we're not allowed to defend our own borders or organize and lock down like that. You're just not allowed. And especially when they start with, you know, laws of self-defense and everything, taking away your rights to self-defense, then you absolutely must look outside for uh, help. So it, it, there are, it gets very deep. There are many different alternatives to this system. Do you have anything else for me, Trey? I, uh, I, I just wanted to know your opinion on illegal drug use. Like, do you see it purely as a traditional problem? Or do you think that certain, like, substances that are currently banned by the government, like marijuana, which really isn't as bad as alcohol, should be illegal in these societies? 
I would never, ever ban a substance. I would never tell someone what they can or cannot do with their own bodies. I would never tell two people what they can or cannot sell or buy to each other. I just wouldn't. So if they commit a crime with whatever, then they can be punished for that. I do think when you see that George Soros is behind the legalizing pot idea, you, yeah. you know, I started thinking you have to watch out a lot of times when people give you one off questions about liberty and libertarianism in a completely controlled society like ours. When you have a welfare state, you can set up a very horrible, you know, a, um, a trap so that if you if you hit rock bottom, I know there's been a lot of druggies in my family because I'm in the suburbs of New York and just it's been that way. If they hit rock bottom, the only way for them to get out of it is hitting rock bottom. But now I see them getting safety nets. They get methadone, they get welfare, and then they're just permanent. You know, it's permanent. And that is the moral hazard of socialism, is that you want people to feel the consequences of the, of the habits that are hurting them. They're, they're hurting themselves, and you want them not to do that anymore. But you can't just stop them. They are hurting themselves, and the natural consequences of that would make them correct if the government didn't step in and, and um, help them. And then there's also this idea where the natural kind of drug abuse level in society can be 2 or 3% maybe is like people who really can't help themselves. But then when you look at like old Iran, Persia, and other places where the government sells opium or taxes it, the, the addiction rate can go up to like 18% because then they foster it, they promote it. It feels like in this country, if something isn't banned, it's subsidized. And, and I don't want that either. So thank you so much for that call. We're going to wrap it up after the break. I am Monica Perez, and we are broadcasting from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harvin Roswell. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Morning showers and thunderstorms with a high of 77 forecast for Monday as the work week begins. But that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we are wrapping it up here at Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp in Roswell. And I did have somebody from the crowd at the in the break ask the question, what is all this uh talk about North Korea really about. I like to peel the onion a little bit. I like to dig in. And I thought I would go on the record as saying, I think a major purpose of North of the North Korea story that is being emphasized in the news right now, as well as the Russian hacking story that was emphasized in the news for the past several months, I honestly think all of that is being used to... Uh, as the background, as the backdrop, um, as the buildup to m ousting Assad, invading a sovereign nation and removing its legitimate leader. So that will be something that really crosses a line. So what Obama did was he kept bombing Syria, but under the guise of, of trying to hit the terrorists. Now, when we bombed with Tomahawks Damascus at the uh, airport, that was an attack against the government itself. And that's something very different. So uh, I feel like North Korea may be the second front of a big war that may truly be, be what we're building up for. But in the meanwhile, I think 
Trump will want to justify taking out Assad because we need to show North Korea who's the boss. If we can't take out Assad, then uh, how are we supposed to scare North Korea? I'm just telling you that's a what to watch out for. Have to have a hashtag about that, hashtag WTWOF. And my Twitter handle's at Monica Perez Show. Do we have a tweet to end this uh, awesome gathering? Yeah, I, I wanted to read Dean's tweet because it's fantastic, but we're going to have to direct people to his Twitter to see that one. Oh, at where did Dean go? Right. No, give me a quickie. Here's the quickie from Voracious Talk says, I'm so deep down the rabbit hole that I'm dissecting the rabbit. <laughs> Ugh. He sounds like my kind of guy. Well, he should come down here as we as we are. Uh, I'm going to be here for a little while and finally get my Guinness. My <laughs> my husband texted me that my son is listening to the show and is absolutely scandalized. He thinks I'm drinking at work. <laughs> I, I'm not. I am not. All these people can attest to that. Well, this has been super fun. We always continue this conversation during the week. You can always find me at Monica Perez Show. I've got uh, MonicaPerezShow.com and PropagandaReportDaily.com. A lot of the people here today, I, I communicate with directly all week long on these, uh, these wonderful social media outlets. And we are wrapping it up here uh, at Liberty on the Rocks and The Harp. Thank you so much for... To Lorenzo, to Binkley, to Ahmad, for everybody's helped me put this on today. To Liberty on the Rocks, and to the Harp Pub here in Roswell. This is Monica Perez. Love you. <laughs>